like this one. Okay, so I recognize a lot of faces and know a lot of names. There may be a few of you that I haven't met, but uh, glad to be here. So who brought their Bible tonight? Anybody? Okay, awesome, electronic or otherwise, but just in case you didn't, printed it out for you. So there's plenty here. Feel free, if you wouldn't mind, just pass it around, take a copy. This is the uh, scripture that we're going to work from tonight. Let me move this back out of the way so you all can see. Okay. So, was anybody at uh, Lydia House? I shared this probably about a month ago at Lydia House. Is it a rerun for you? No? Okay. So, got one. You liked it that much you came back again, huh? <laughs> Either that or you just didn't know. So, anyways, um, as Jeff said, I, uh, I've been serving with the Harvest Communities for about uh, seven years now, and it's great to be a part of what's going on around here, and uh, just uh, a lot of fun to hang out with you guys and the different things we do, and uh, I think I heard somebody say, what's Harvest Communities? Well, Harvest Communities is the overarching, the umbrella organization, if you will, that Communitas is a part of, that Lydia House is a part of, uh, for those of you that are familiar with the Harvest Project, the school, Nate, yeah, you know, it was all these things is Harvest Communities. So that's why we write our checks out to Harvest Communities because that's what the bank says. So I shared about uh, six, five, six months ago from the beginning of Philippians, and it talks about being anxious for nothing there. And uh, one of the things that people can get anxious about are their finances. So today I'm going to talk about uh, finances from Philippians 4.10 through 20. And... Uh, you know, God doesn't want us to be anxious about our finances. Or Tony, you know, you you were praying, you know, for people about their jobs and work and and things. You know, that's that's finances. So we're gonna take a look at Paul, the apostle, and uh, if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide, please. So three key areas: finances, attitudes, and God's provision. So remember that. So basically, if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide, please. What I want you to do is walk away with the thought that I'm a giver with a good attitude and God's going to supply all my needs. So if you can take away any, just one nugget from tonight, that's what I want you to walk away with. You know, it's important, you know, when you hear a message that you just don't hear it, walk out, and immediately forget. You want to allow that seed to plant in your head, in your mind. So you have knowledge about it, but in your heart also. How is this going to impact you? So, again, I'm a giver with a good attitude, and God will supply all my needs. You can probably shut that off for a while. It'll be a while before I get back to presentation. So, so giving is a privilege. God gives us the ability to give. Um, giving can be an act of obedience. Maybe God said, you, God prompted your heart and said, you know, I want you to give to this person, to this ministry, to this opportunity. Um, giving can be an act of love towards a person. It can be an act of love towards God. It can be an act of worship. Now, we just got done worshiping with song, but uh, how many of you have been in church and they said, let's, let's worship the Lord with our giving now? 
You know, I mean, that, that's true. It's not, just a, it's not just a phrase, but when we give, we're, we're worshiping the Lord with our giving. Giving can also be an act of spiritual warfare. The devil hates it when we let loose of our resources and sow into God's work, whatever that might be. So think about that. You know, if I'm, I'm, I'm sowing a dollar in, I'm doing spiritual warfare. So Paul the Apostle was writing in Philippians, writing to the Philippians, encouraging them about their sacrifice of giving. So let's talk about the gift first. So a gift could be a number of different things. Can anybody name a couple different resources? You know, when we talk about gifts that we can give, what are different resources that we'd be talking about? Time, yeah. What was that again? Yeah. Food, yeah. Shelter. Ideas. ideas, yep, that's a resource. God gives you creative ideas, so that's a resource that you steward, and you can use it to sow back into the kingdom and other people's lives. Money. Money. Support. Support, yep, these are all practical resources. Um, practical skills. God enables us to do things. My son, uh, Ethan, he uh, had an opportunity to babysit for the neighbors. It was fair time this year, and they've got a couple younger kids, and they needed to date. They needed to go to get away and just walk over to the fair. We live that close. So he needed to be, you know, they needed to get away. So my son volunteered. He kind of got volunteered, but he volunteered to serve them with his time, with his resource of time and ability to watch after their kids. So, again, that's another example of giving. Um, my daughter, around the same time, she did a cookie, excuse me, a cookie sale for Feed My Starving Children. What did she do? She took some resources, you know, some stuff that the, they baked. Mom helped out. Took her ability as a little kid to entice people on the street and say, okay, you know what? I'm giving this to Feed My Starving Children. And she sewed that money into that work. So Paul, as we look at Philippians, Paul in this case, you know, he wasn't just talking about serving. Uh, he wasn't just talking about these other things. He, he was actually talking about finances in Philippians. You know, money and finances, resources given to support his ministry work and support his livelihood. So, you know, all these things, you know, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are, what are all these things? These are the things that, you know, Paul knew about, you know, shelter, clothing, transportation, food. You know, a lot of, most of the time I don't, I don't pray for these things, but I'll thank God for them. I'll say, God, thank you that you provide all these resources that you know that I have need of. You know I need transportation to get where I'm going. You know I need clothing, shelter, food. So I want to start out with a little work principle. Jake, Jacob, can you come up? Yeah. And you get to get in the chair. I need to, the chair is already pretty heavy itself, but uh, um, yeah, sit down. I need to, I'm going to volunteer some people. Neomo, can you, uh, Tina, uh, let's start with you. Uh, Jade's hands are tied up. So um, can you, each each one of you get on, on each side, on the arms, and just go ahead and lift, you know, lift Jacob up. 
yeah, don't don't get like, don't let him get on your toes though. I don't want any injuries tonight. Okay, I, we, we need some more help. Uh, let's see, uh, Kansas, can you come up? I, I I want the girls to do this. Can we get a couple more ladies to come up and help? Watch watch the toes. Watch the toes. I need some more girls. Come on, come on. Anybody else? What, look at look at it. I, watch the toes there. Okay, let's get a couple guys. A couple guys. Wasi, Tony, jump in. Girl, girls, stay on. We need the girls too. But be safe with those toes. And Jacob's holding on now. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, give him a hand, my wonderful volunteers. Okay. Thank you. You can take your chair and sit down, please. <laughs> Okay, so what's the point there? You know, it, it may not be a biblical principle, but it's a principle of work that uh, many hands make light work. And the same thing goes with financial principles in the Bible. You know, we have pastors and leaders here, uh, ministry things that we take care of. They all take support. It was challenging when only a couple people were trying to support that. But when we got more gathered around, Jacob was rising up in the air. It's pretty easy to support something when you have many people working together. So it only took each one of them a little effort at that point. So remember that. Uh, you may say, wow, you know, this is a huge project or this is out of my range. Don't think that because when you gather together, you know, think of the ant. You know, an ant's a small thing, but when they gather together, they can do mighty works together. So, and you can do that too with your finances. So let's jump right in. Um, you've got the uh, scripture there. Uh, we'll be to that in a second. But uh, let's look at Paul's attitude. So that was one of the things, attitude. Paul's attitude as we look through Philippians was that he was a giver. We also need to look at the attitude of the givers. Um, it's a two-way street. So what's the impact of that gift on the one receiving, what's the impact of the one that's giving? And uh, it's good for both. So let's watch attitudes on both sides of that. So the background here is Paul was under arrest. He was probably either, he was either sitting in a Roman prison or under house arrest when he wrote Philippians. So do you think he had a good attitude at that point? I mean, he's under arrest. And uh, he could have been down. He could have had a bad attitude pretty easily being locked up. But probably wasn't his first choice to be there. But he had a good attitude. Again, it was by choice that he did that. So was Paul prospering at that point? If he's locked up, he's in jail, do you think he was a prosperous person still? Any thoughts? I think he was a prosperous person. Yeah? Just not in a prosperous Okay. So circumstances look pretty bad, at least to the average eye. But, again, circumstances don't dictate everything. You know, at the Bible in Acts, it says that, uh, I think it was Gover Governor Felix, yeah, had asked for a bribe from Paul. So Paul must have been doing pretty well, even at that point. You know, so what if he's locked up? That's just circumstances. He was a prosperous person, and... Jail cell, 
bad attitudes from other people, whatever. It couldn't take that, couldn't they take that away from him. So let's look at Philippians first up verse there. Philippians 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. So Paul rejoiced in the Lord. God was his focus. He wasn't focused on the things around him. Key thing was he's thankful. You know, his attitude of gratitude makes a big difference. So why the Philippians lack opportunity to give to Paul? Don't know. Maybe it was their proximity to him. Maybe they had no way of delivering to him. Maybe it was just timing. But looking at scriptures, it said they'd given before. So it just hadn't been for a while. So if we look on at uh, verse 11 and 12, it says, this is Paul. He's saying, not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also now ha- know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. So Paul, he gives his personal state of the union. Do you, do you guys know what state of the un- union address is? You know, the president kind of once or twice a year says, hey, you know, here's how we're doing. Well, Paul does this. He says, you know what? I could be poor, I could be rich, it doesn't matter. I'm doing well. So he wants people to know that it doesn't matter what it looks like around him. He speaks about his experience, really to to dispel any thoughts about him being in a poor condition. Paul wanted to be really straightforward with them. He wasn't trying to manipulate them. Paul basically said, you know what? You're givers. You can give, but I'm not begging you, at least not for his sake. So how many of you have found it's easier to carry out just day-to-day activities, normal life, if you have an abundance of resources? You know, you can eat, you can drive your car, you can get to your work, your school, uh, maybe even have some fun, go to Chipotle or Starbucks or whatever, if you have resources. How many of you have had to trust God, though, when there seems to be no abundance? Yeah? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, unless you've uh, really dodged the the bullet, so to speak, times can get tough. But it's just a bump in the road. And uh, and God is good. We never never forget that God is good, and we'll make it through. Um, Any any examples, you you don't have to share, but of uh, where you just said, you know what, it was a rough time getting through financially. Kansas?
Going through isn't easy, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's one who walks alongside you. He'll walk through things with you and get you to the other side. Anybody else uh, have a short you know, story they want to tell? Sure. Shane. Yeah, so it can be tough going through. I spent, uh, I mean, I'm abundantly blessed. You know, I've, I've been in the job that I'm in now for about five and a half years, but prior to that, I was out of work for a whole year. I mean, I could tell stories after stories. You know, I was reflecting on that the other day about God's faithfulness. And I shared, about, shared that with, about that with some friends over the weekend. We went to camp, and uh, I just shared about God's faithfulness during that time. It was hard going through. But we just kept seeing signposts of what God was doing along the way. It's like, wow, he reminds you that he's there. Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and these scriptures, you know, having nuggets like that, that will sustain you through the hard times. Um. Paul understood that resources or no resources, that didn't matter. It, it really didn't affect his true condition. It might affect you know, how the circumstances look, but it didn't affect his true condition and who he truly was. So let's look at uh, you know, being rich and being prosperous. They're two different things. So Paul's true condition was that he was a prosperous person. So if we're going to talk about prosperous prosperity, I'm going to take a look at what, at least, you know, a definition of what prosperity might look like. So one aspect of prosperity is basically having enough resources to do what God's called you to do. And an abundance on top of that to bless others. So, like, if God calls me to go on a missions trip, you know, whether it's short-term, long-term, or across town or overseas, I need the resources to do that, to get there. But not only those resources, I want to have enough that when I get there, that I got some stuff to give away. You know, I want to leave some of the goods behind. You know, whether that's uh, money, money for food, Bibles, whatever it is. But having more than enough to do what God's called you to do, that's being prosperous. Do you guys have enough to do the next thing that God's called you to do? Think about that. What's God, what, God what, what is God put in my heart? What is he calling me to do? And do I have enough to do that? And if it looks pretty slim, you know, the, the finances or whatever the resource is that you need, say, God, help me. You know, I pray. I say, God, one of the things I pray for our family pretty frequently is, God, open up new streams of income to us, new resources, new places that's going to come in. You know, again, not to, just to have it, but for your plan. So it's not really just all about having the stuff, but it's about being well provided for, walking in God's plan, and walking out what he's called you to do. 
So here's my prosperity message. Unless you've taken a vow of poverty, you should want to prosper so that you can do the things that God has called you to do, whether they're big or small or somewhere in between, okay? You need resources to do what he's calling you to do. So that's prosperity, that you have enough to do what God's calling you to do. So what about is what's it mean to be rich? The way I look at it, rich comes and rich goes. You know what? I can fill my pockets full of cash. I get in one of those uh, fun booths where the dollars are flying around. I'm stuffing myself full, or maybe I win the lottery, or whatever it is. That's just cash. It's just being rich. You can easily go from rich to poor. Sometimes you can go from poor to rich, but if you're a prosperous person, that's a part of you. It's not going to go away. It's how God has made you. It's how God has redeemed you. Rich can be momentary, but prosperous is a lifestyle. It's part of your nature, your condition. As I said, it's part of how God redeemed us. We're prosperous people. It may not always look like it. You know, maybe the, the dollars aren't pouring out of our pockets, but God made us prosperous people in how we think, how we act, how we live. So if you take your sheets, let's look at uh, verse 13. Get back to the scripture there. <clears throat> so Paul is saying, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So he had an inner confidence his attitude exuded that confidence. He knew that he was a prosperous man. Nothing could change that. So Paul didn't see the lack or the abundance as a help or a hindrance to his life. He said, no matter what, I got a lot, I got a little. I'm going on with my calling and the opportunities before me. So he knew his source. If you know your source, you don't have to worry your source is Jesus. Your resource is the Bible. That's where you go to for the answer. He was plugged into the grid of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 through 16 says, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift for me, or gift, gift more than once for my needs. So Paul commends the Philippian church here for having recognized the opportunity to sow into the work that he was doing. It's like, thanks. You guys picked up on that. There was a need, and you decided to sow. I mean, Paul was a missionary, you know. And as a missionary, Paul wasn't just given a gift you know, here, here's 20 bucks, buddy, see ya, sent out and forgotten. But if you look through uh, Acts and Philippians, and you know, they gave over and over again. The Philippian church continued to provide for his needs. More than once, it says. We need to do the same for our missionaries, our ministers. Is Don't forget them. I mean, we look at Paul here. He kind of came off the field when they locked him up in jail, but here, here are the Philippian churches still providing for him. They didn't forget about him. So many times, somebody will come off the field for one reason or another, and they're forgotten. 
So let's look at Paul's attitude again. In verse 17, um, it says, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. So here's Paul's attitude. This really describes his attitude about giving. It's like, I'm not asking you because of me. Paul had the right attitude about giving. He encouraged the Philippians and others to give. I mean, think about it. Are there any ministries that you know of that couldn't use a little bit more? Any church that would say, oh, you know, forget it, stop, stop giving. We don't need your gifts. Um, I do remember that in the Bible there was a case where they said, we just got enough gold. It's coming in in abundance. But if we look around us, I'm not hearing that in, in the church today. But that was not Paul's focus. He wasn't saying, just keep piling it up on me. His attitude was, you know what? It's for you. Paul knew that giving would benefit the giver. Probably even more than it benefit would benefit the recipient of the gift. So their well-being was his concern. So basically, if, if you're not a giver, you're missing out. Does that make sense, or does that offend you? Yeah? Okay. Good. Remember, I'm a giver. That's the attitude we need to have, what we need to think about ourselves. I'm a giver. So when a farmer goes out and sows a seed, what's his expectation? It's to reap a harvest. We need to be the same. We don't sow without an expectation of a harvest of some form. There's usually a season of dormancy after you plant the seed. Then it starts to uh, sprout. Uh, I think it's called germination. And then there's growth. Then after that time of growth into a plant and a blossom, there's a fruit or a seed that's put forth. And it's harvest time. So that's a spiritual principle, too. You know, the Bible talks a lot about that, sowing and reaping. Um, we may say, you know, the gospel is free. Well, Jesus freely gave his life because he made that choice. But the gospel itself, to do what God's calling us to do, takes resources. So, again, I'm not saying this to put anyone under compulsion, not to twist your arm or anything like that. Again, just like Paul. Paul said this because he was concerned for the well-being of the giver. Basically, I want you to follow what God tells you to do, what he stirs in your heart. You know, I, I'm not doing a telethon and pleading for your money, but I want you to be ready when God stirs your heart, when he prompts your heart, when he says, give, that you give. Now, you may not always hear give. Sometimes, we, you know, like I said at the beginning, we give out of obedience because we know it's a good thing. It's the right thing to do if we're sowing into good ground. So I'll say this, you know, just be under the direction of the Lord and you're giving. Um, we t- you know, I, I'll just touch on this, but, you know, 
the tithe itself, you know, the Bible talks about a tithe, you know, and my thought is, you know, that's an Old Testament principle, but where you say, well, you may say, tithing, that's an Old Testament principle. That means giving 10% of your income, your resources, your increase. But I'll say we're under a new covenant. So if you could give 10% in the Old Testament, you know, if that was kind of their, uh, their goal, their ceiling, now that becomes our floor under the new covenant. You don't have to call it a tithe, but let's let that be the floor that we stand upon. That's the minimum we should be doing when we sow into God's kingdom. Now, I know some of you say, wow, that's way beyond what I can do because of my commitments. I'm already stretched, and that's okay. But talk to God about it. Make that step. Make that effort. Say, God, I'm a giver. You don't even have to say, God, I want to be a giver, but say, God, I'm a giver because that's how you created me. Help me to give. Help me to step into that. Help me to walk that out. Show me what that looks like. This crazy guy saying that 10% is the floor, and I should be starting there. How do I do that? Start with prayer. So where was I at here? So, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and the first fruits of all thine increase, so that thy barns shall be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So it talks about substance. Financial substance equals time, equals money, equals your life, equals the substance of your effort. That's why we work. It provides us with resources, with financial substance. So, Kingdom finances are not about paying your tithe or paying your debt to God. Kingdom finances are about honoring the Lord in all you're giving. It's honoring the Lord in all you do. And since we work, we basically trade our time for money if we're working. So that's part of our life. So we're giving, when we give money, we're giving of our very livelihood. So when we sow money, it's a part of us. And that honor, it flows from love and respect for the Lord. It shouldn't flow from anything else. Again, don't be under compulsion by someone to do something in the line of giving. But follow after the Lord in that. Um, you know, if it's duty, duty flows and follows after legalism. But love and honor will cause you to give in abundance So remember, floor, ceiling. So the Old Testament tithe is where we start because we're under a new covenant, a newer and better covenant, Jesus, Jesus says. So let's look at verse 18. It says, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. So this is Paul talking again. He's like, I'm doing great. I've received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, and it's well-pleasing to God. That's good news. Wouldn't you want your gift to be well-pleasing to God? You know, Paul was confident enough that their giving, even though it was being sown into his work, you know, him, his life and ministry work, he's like, you guys are doing well. 
I know God's pleased with what you're doing. So Paul, he praises and commends the Philippians again here for, for their, their giving. And he showed them an attitude of gratitude. And, and really, I want to do the same. You know, I, I see our finances, and uh, I look over that every month. We have a bookkeeper, and uh, she compiles everything and puts all the numbers together for me. So I see the, what's coming in, what's going out for Communitas and Lydia House and Harvest Communities all together. But I want to commend you guys and say thank you for your giving because it's a tremendous thing that you've sown into Communitas and Harvest Communities. And uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit about that here in a few minutes. I'm going to share with you just a, kind of a little picture of our budget. So you say, well, you know, I gave uh, a little bit last week, a little bit week before. What's happening with it? Where's it going? So let's look at verse 19. It says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's a great promise. But remember, promises are conditional. They don't just happen. There's, so there's usually a condition to this. It'd be great to just pick it up here and, and pull out verse 19 and say, wow, God's going to supply all my needs because he's got it all, he's cool, he loves me. And he does. But we look at the Philippian church, and they were givers. So they could, Paul could say to them confidently that God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Not according to the banks, not according to yours, but according to his because you're a giver, and they had sown, and they reaped a harvest off of that. He says all your needs. It doesn't sound like a God who holds back. He doesn't say all your wants, but I do believe that he delights in you enough that he's going to give you wants too. God loves you, but he does say he'll provide all your needs. Again, <clears throat> What are those needs? Clothing, transportation, shelter, food, all these things that he knows we have need of. And there's more beyond that, but God will provide that. I'm going to throw out a couple uh, more biblical financial principles here. Um, from Luke 6.38, says, it says, Given it shall be given unto you. A good measure, measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Second Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. I think of my dad uh, when he was alive. Uh, as he aged, he didn't need his money as much, and you could give gifts, and he would give you know a couple thousand dollars to each of the kids at Christmas. So um, I just remember times that it was just like, he was going nuts to be able to give that gift. He just couldn't wait for everybody to open up the regular gifts. But he wanted to give that big, generous gift. And that's how we need to be. God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to be cheerful when we give, whether it's a dollar or $100,000, whatever it might be. God wants us to be cheerful, uh, hilarious giving, joyful in what we do. Again, not under compulsion, it says, Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. The next verse says, he is able to make all grace abound to you so that in every good work you'll be able to give. So God increases us. 
You know, if we're a cheerful giver, God increases us so that we're able to give into every good work. It's, it's a good thing. So be cheerful in your giving. You're better off to keep it in your pocket if you're not going to be cheerful about it. We don't need the money. God doesn't need the money. But God needs you to be a cheerful giver because that will change your life. It will change your life. So that was, you asked, what are those good works? That good work may be something that God has uh, ordained and said, do this type of ministry work. Maybe it's a mission trip. Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's your family or a friend. You know, these are all good works. You say, wow, a good work is given to my family? Absolutely. You know, it doesn't have to have the appearances of ministry on it necessarily you know, that, to make it a good work. Let's see here. Okay. Can you uh, bring up the next? Yeah, that one. If you can see it here, I wasn't sure how it would turn out with the uh, colors, but uh, kind of jumbled it together. Basically, this is a budget. So each year I review what we're doing a couple times a year, just making sure we're on track. And uh, so you're saying, well, where does our money go? So we've got uh, right now, you know, a, an average budget of about $2,400 expenditures per month for Communitas. You're probably saying, wow, that's a lot of money for this, uh, this small group. You know, we're not a huge church. What's happening here? And uh, so you can see as we go around, um, this is a budget. This is not necessarily actual expenditures, but it's close. We're not always giving, giving benevolence, but we've budgeted for it to give. Um, I always jumbled it. This is pretty weird. I'm going to go to my chart. Sorry. You can keep it up there if you want, but uh, it shows the principle. Then, uh, Was that the PDF or was that the uh, PowerPoint? Try the PDF and see if it. Uh... Okay, anyways. <laughs> Last time I did this message, a big wing storm came and blew everything all over the place, so my notes were flying. We can do this. Yeah, I'll leave that one up there. I'll get under the light so I can see it here. But basically, uh, um, you know, if we've got a budget of about $2,400, expenditures per month. We've got benevolence in there. Uh, we pay for a, an administrator, and uh, that's primarily Kat. And uh, as she always says, if you see me here working, I'm not getting paid for it. So everything that she gets paid for is behind the scenes. All the administration work, shopping, the preparation, uh, organizing, coordinating, that kind of thing. When she's here and you see her working, She's volunteering. Uh, food can be a big expenditure. I think that's an actual number there. It looks like 250. So that's a 10%. It should have converted the, uh, the number there. Honorariums, we have speakers come. So a you know, typical honorarium is about 100 bucks. 
Um, some of the ministers that we give to, missionaries, uh, Diane Brask. Uh, how many of you have heard Diane speak here? Yeah, yeah. So we support her, her work on a monthly basis. Um, I think it's Steve and Jenna, Jenna Halverson in Thailand. Uh, Sarah Goldstein. And uh, is it Brent or Brett Swanson? I'm not sure. Brock. Brock. There we go. Thanks. Appreciate the audience help here. So, again, uh, we've got a number of people here that are ministering in the field that we uh, are supporting on a monthly basis. The uh, more recent one is uh, with Nate Johnstone. You know, we brought Nate on to uh, help as a leader, as a pastor in Communitas. You know, we need, we need strong, good, uh, skilled leaders, you know, trained leaders like that that, uh, that can help us to go where God's calling us to go. And Communitas also uh, supports Paul. A little more visible. So part of the challenge, though, is monthly income goes up and down. So we make a budget, and uh, again, our budget right now is around 2,400 expenditures. Right now, our average, average monthly income for the year, though, is 1,800. So who passed first grade math? Maybe second grade. 18 minus 24 gives us a negative number. So um, when those things happen, it gets challenging. So we have to look at where we can cut and different things. And we can't do everything that God wants us to, to do. So um, can you throw up the next slide, see if it'll – yeah, that, that works. So Harvest Communities, as I mentioned, that's the umbrella. So what we have here is the general fund. So, again, we, get, we support Paul, some out of that. Again, compared to what Paul's worth, we just scrape the surface. We can't really, uh, you know, as a small ministry, we're not able to give what we would love to give. But, um, you know, there we do have some administration costs. We, we actually pay for insurance you know, to cover us in case something were to ever happen. So these are all costs that uh, come out of our general fund. Um, accounting fees. The accountant is one of our biggest expenditures. Um, you know, it's a, a necessary evil, if you will. But uh, she keeps us straight, keeps the the, uh, the bad people. I mean, the government uh, off of off of our backs and uh, helps us do the right things. So again, we want to be above board. We want to be transparent in what we do, and uh, that's why we have a bookkeeper. That's why you know, again, this has been this is long overdue for me or someone to share this with you too. We want you to know when you sow where it's going and what's happening, that it's not just uh, being thrown away. You're not just eating everything. I mean, it's great that, you know, a big chunk, chunk of the Communitas money goes towards food and fellowship, or it has. If you could go to the next slide, we'll leave that. Yeah, we'll leave that one up there for a little bit here. So in order to do these, thing, do these things, like I mentioned, we need resources. And resources come into you because you're blessed to be a blessing. And since you're a giver, you get to choose where you give. 
So, if you're part of Communitas, I would encourage you to sow something here. Sow a fraction of your giving here. But at a minimum, I'm just saying, you got to be a giver. I'm not even, even going to say you should be a giver, but you've you got to be a giver. I don't care. I don't really care where you give, but you've got to be a giver because it's for your well-being. When you release that, when you open those hands up and release that, it does something here, but especially right here. You've got to be a giver. So, again, I want you to walk away being able to say, I'm a giver with a good attitude, that cheerful heart, and God will supply all my needs. I don't, I don't need to walk in fear about it. Are you asking the Lord to send you prosperity? You need to ask him. Lord, I mean, Psalms 118, verse 25, it says, Oh, Lord, do save. We beseech you, Lord. Do send prosperity. Lord, send us prosperity. Can you go on to the uh, next slide? Whoops, there was one slide before that, I think, maybe. Maybe I missed it. Uh, you know what? Maybe it didn't get in there. Got it? Got it? Okay, we'll do that one here in a second. Okay, so if you take a look at it, can you see this? It's basically a prayer or confession. It's just taking God's word. There's nothing magical about it. Repeating, it's not going to all of a sudden say poof, you know, things change. But what it does is it aligns your words and your thoughts with God's words. And that's where we need to be confessing the truths of God's word. So basically it says our needs are met, we're completely out of debt, money abounds to pass around, and there's plenty more to put in store. A friend, I, I missed the meeting, you know, this is probably about 20 years ago, I missed this meeting uh, that she went to, and she came back and said, you know, I think you'd like this. So she, I've got the handwritten note at home that she wrote this down for me. I said, okay, that's okay, you know, you know, some prosperity teacher put out this little poem or something like that. But where is it biblically? So here we go. So our needs are met according to Philippians 4.19. I want this to be God's word. I don't want to just say something, but it needs to be God's word, and that's why I believe it. We're completely out of debt because he is a debt-canceling God. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says he gives us the ability to get wealth. Money abounds to pass around. Again, here's 2 Corinthians says we're able to give into every good work. That sounds like passing money around to me. And there's plenty more to put in store. In Proverbs 13, verse 22, it says we're to leave it an inheritance to our children's children. So everybody stand up with me. I'm just going to give you a little... Uh, you know what, let's say this together first. Just say the, uh, not the scripture part, but let's, uh, if you can see it, Let's, uh, let's say it together. Our needs are met. We're completely out of debt. Money abounds to pass around, and there's plenty more to put in store. I'm just going to bless you with Psalm 115, verses 14 to 15. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. So what I'd like you to do, is uh, it's five till nine.
Maybe we'll pray and shut the meeting down, but we're going to say, let's do some small groups. Let's pray for each other. If uh, there have been issues, if, you, if you're challenged with this and saying, wow, I can't give 1%, I can't, there's no way I can do 10%, um, or God, I want to be a giver, where do I give? Any of these things. Um, let's break up into small groups after we close the meeting here. You know, two or three people, four people, whatever. If you're an introvert and say, you know what, I don't like that kind of intimacy, um, there'll be a few people, and you can do it either way, maybe if you're even not an introvert, but if you want prayer, there'll be a few people hanging out here. Be glad to lay hands on you, pray for you, and ask God to uh, uh, meet your need, whatever it might be. Jake, is it you, Jeff? Who's, who's closing the meeting? Well, I'll, uh, very good. All right. Yeah. So, um, I'll just close in prayer and, uh, we can break up into small groups. So I have the father. Thank you for this evening. Um, thank you for Tim's message. Holy spirit, please touch us in our hearts. Um, that we would, uh, that we would give what you have purposed um, in us to give um, and that we would give generously um, in, the, in the ways and in the areas that you have purposed in us. Please uh, help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.